You're listening to a message from Micaiah Ermler, lead pastor of Southridge Church in San Jose, California. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. And now, here is Pastor Micaiah. If you have a copy of God's Word, would you go to the book of 1 Kings this morning? 1 Kings. It's in the Old Testament. We're going to be starting a new series entitled Heart and Soul. I don't know about you, but oftentimes I can look around my home and I can see a lot of started but never finished projects. Yeah. Now, before we start judging the pastor, I think I could go to your house and I think your wife would point out all your started but unfinished projects too. Or maybe it's the exact opposite. Maybe it's the wife who has some started but unfinished projects. Or maybe we could go to your office and you could show me that guy on your team that has started a lot of projects and not completed them and you're the guy that has to finish them. Or you have uh, friends or family that that's their problem. They'll start something and never finish, and so they've got dozens of projects that they've started that they're trying to get to, but they left unfinished. Now, that's one thing to have projects, like I'm going to build a new shed in the backyard, but it's a different thing to say I'm going to build a life of significance and never achieve it. You see, one thing is a shed. The other thing is about significance, having a life that truly has lasting impact. It's one thing to build a shed. It'd be nice to have the shed, but it'd be even better to have a life that leaves a legacy. And so we're looking at this series entitled Heart and Soul because too often we have not just unfinished projects, but there are unfinished people that they want to accomplish so much with their life, but yet so many things get started and stopped. So today we kick off Growth Tracks, Growth Tracks number one, uh, outside if you ever want to catch it, just starting with the basics. So whether you're new to the faith or whether or not you need a jump start spiritually or, or you want to grow deeper, we want to encourage you, be a part of Growth Tracks, where last month seven people graduated from Growth Tracks, and we want to encourage that in your spiritual journey because that's that next step. Our church exists to lead people to find and follow Jesus. That following part is what we call discipleship. It's where we grow closer to God. We learn more about who he is and what his will is for us. And so this morning, I want to kick off this series, and I want to look at a character by the name of Jonathan. Uh, I have a little brother. His name is Jonathan, and that's, that's what my parents named him after, and I love this character for so many reasons. But I love the fact that Jonathan was a man of action, a man who was not afraid to take some risk. Because I find today that we settle for safe. We settle for safe and we never achieve true significance. And I know today we look for comfort, we look for ease, nothing wrong with that. But I see a lot of people who are settling for safe and never embracing all that God has called them to truly become in their life. And so I want us to turn our attention to 1 Kings chapter number 14. And I want to look at just a few verses in this amazing story as we kind of dive into it. So I hope you do have a copy of God's Word. And if you don't, please stop by our Connect tent on the way out. We have a copy of God's Word. We'd love to give you your very own Bible. Make sure you have a copy of God's Word. If not, it'll be up on the screen. But we want to encourage you to get into God's Word and let God's Word get into you. Let's begin reading verse number 1. It says this. One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, 
Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron. With him were about 600 men, among whom was Ahijah, who was wearing an ephod, who was the son of Ichabod's brother, Ahitab, son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozaz and the other Sina. One cliff stood to the north toward Michmash, the other to the south toward Gibeah. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. And I love what his young armor bearer says, okay? This is a young man. We don't know how old, but he's just a young guy. And you can imagine because they just left their army of 600, and now it's two of them, and they're going to go attack an outpost. So it's two, and we're going to find out that there's 20 up in this outpost. So it's uh, 1 to 10, okay? So that's the ratio. And you can sense at that moment, if you're with Jonathan, you're thinking, man, I've, I've been a part of a whole lot of crazy ideas. But Jonathan, should we pray about this? Hey, Jonathan, should we fast and seek God? Hey, there's that priest with your dad. Let's go talk to him. There's a lot of things this young armor bearer could have said. A lot of prudent things. But remember, too often we settle for safe. We settle for safe in our lives. And notice in verse number 7, this is powerful, what this young armor bearer says. He says, do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead. I am with you. Can we say these last three words together? Heart and soul. That was pretty good, but not good enough. Can we say that one more time, please? I am with you, heart and soul. There's something about that when we say we're with somebody, heart and soul. This young armor bearer is saying, hey, I'm with you. But here's what I think is interesting. In verse number 6, Jonathan said something that should have raised a red flag to this armor bearer. I don't know if you caught it, but as I was studying this passage, I caught it. Here's what Jonathan says to his young armor bearer. He said, the middle of the verse, he says, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Wait a minute. Hold hold on. Hold on. Jonathan, Jonathan, I need a promise, not a perhaps. I need some some, uh, collateral here. I need a a signed contract with a guarantee that I'm going to get what I'm owed. Uh, None of this perhaps stuff, all right? Uh, That's like getting on your Southwest flight this weekend, and the pilot comes over and says, it's a beautiful day. Our cruise to San Diego perhaps will go without air. You say, oh, no, there's no perhaps allowed. You're about to go under, and your surgeon says, we're going to do uh, this operation on you. We're going to open you up right here. We're going to do a little heart work, and uh, perhaps it'll go okay. Wait, wait, hold on. Pause just a second, okay? All right? Uh, wives, your husband comes to you. Hey, uh, this is going to be big. It's the next big thing. Perhaps we'll be millionaires. So, you know, you just, you just kind of know, wait a minute. Uh, this, this isn't what I, what I signed up for. But here's what I love. Because that's the Christian life. So much of the Christian life comes without guarantees. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews, uh, the word says, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. 
And too many times we get into the Christian life and we don't understand that, wait a minute, I've got to exercise faith. We've made it so tame, so simple, so safe where the early church had to sacrifice. There was some weight. There was some cost to this. And so too often we settle for a life that is safe instead of embracing a life of significance. And so what I call this is 50-50 faith. That's really what it is. You see, Jonathan is saying it's a 50-50 here, bud. It's 50-50. God may work and he might not. It's 50-50. But guess what? We're going to bet on God. We're going to bet on the God who came through, who split the Red Sea. We're going to bet on the God who created the world out of nothing. We're going to bet on the God that, that created the planets and the stars. We're going to bet on the God that brought our children uh, uh, through, through the deserts. We're going to bet on that God. And so he was moving on that faith. And his armor bearer says, yeah, let's do that. Let's, let's move on this. Because too often... When it comes to God's word and when it comes to you and I exercising our faith, we want a promise. But God is saying, will you move on a possibility? Many of you are waiting on a promise and God's saying, how about you move on a possibility? How about you move where you say, I believe God can work. I believe God, if I step out, I believe that you will do something to transform this situation. God, I believe you can act in a big way. So guess what? I'm going to step out on what is possible, not what is promised. And that is the essence of faith. The essence of faith is not the guarantee. The essence of faith is the, guess what? I know the God who's behind this, who's calling me out. So I'm going to follow that one. So guess what? It's a perhaps. You see, so much of life is lives in the ifs. It's the if. And we don't like that. We don't like the ambiguity. We don't like the uncertainty. We want everything to be certain, but there is nothing that is certain. And so we need to understand that sometimes we just have to move on these maybes from God. That maybe God will work, so I'm going to move. Maybe God is here, so I'm going to step out. So when it comes to this, sometimes we just have to say, you know what? I'm just going to step out, and it might be that God gives me this job. It might be that God's in this. It might be, but I'm going to live in this ambiguity, and I'm going to be okay with that. And I'm going to allow God to grow my faith and stretch my faith in this season. Because there's a lot of times where we don't actually exercise our faith or stretch out our faith. And if you're in an uncomfortable place in your life, guess what? God is trying to grow your faith. He's trying to stretch your faith because he's trying to get you to a whole new level. Oftentimes, we like to stay where it's safe and simple and secure instead of moving into all that God has for us. So are you willing this morning to say, you know what? God, I'm not guaranteed success. There's not the guarantee, but I'm going to move. But too often we're settling for safe, and we settle for safe, so we miss out on that significant life that God has for us. But stop just for a moment. Did you catch in verse number 2 where it said Jonathan's dad is? He's sitting under the the shade of a pomegranate tree. I don't know the last time you saw a pomegranate tree. They don't provide a lot of shade. So I was like, out of all the trees, you pick the pomegranate tree. Okay, all right, that's kind of different. Not a lot of shade, but there's his dad. Where's his dad? His dad wants to be comfortable when there's an enemy to conquer. As a matter of fact, they called Saul to be king because he was head and shoulders above everybody else. So he can rid Israel of their enemy, the Philistines. And what's he doing? He's sitting under a shade tree, sitting back, getting comfortable, while his son is saying, we can't just sit here. We can't just sit here and do nothing. we got to do something. So let's get up and let's move. And perhaps God will move. Perhaps God will be in this. You see, I wrote this down. To be unstoppable, you must be uncomfortable. And I think that's where we all have the struggle, right? We don't want to get uncomfortable. 
Hey, in three weeks, it's going to be uncomfortable to get here early and to load a tree onto somebody's car. Hey, it's going to be uncomfortable to join a setup team and say, guess what? I'm going to go and be a part of the setup team and get up early and help set things up so that we can have church, so people can encounter the living God, so that people can experience a, a, a living worship experience. Because we have people here this morning, they drove as far as the Central Valley to be here. They drove as far as Gilroy to be here. Because why? People will drive when the church is alive. They'll make the drive. They'll do it. And they don't apologize. They don't ask for a, a pat on the back about it because they're going to go somewhere where God is moving. And you say, hey, I want to be a part of that. Guess what? You're going to have to get uncomfortable sometimes. You're going to have to step out of that zone of comfort. And we love comfort, don't we? Man, I love comfort. 5.30 on a Monday, I'm going to go to the gym. And guess what happens at about 5.29? I don't want to go to the gym. Everything inside of me says, Taco Bell's across the street. God knows that somebody needs Jesus, all right? So go over there and witness to them and eat your double-double in a chalupa or whatever they got going on over there and wash it down with a Coke. And since you're supposed to be at the gym, just make sure it's diet and you're all right. God will forgive you. And it's real easy. It's a right turn to the gym. It's a left turn to Taco Bell. There are many times where I'm like, not today, Satan. You know, and you just got to, hey, I'm going to just, because we got to get out of our comfort zone. Now I'm being silly. Let's be real. Sometimes you want to argue with your spouse. Sometimes you want to argue with God. Sometimes you want to get upset at the neighbor instead of saying, God, actually, is it me? Is, is it me that is actually the problem? And then God's going to actually say this and you're going to hate it. Yes, it is. I'm glad you're listening. It's all you. It's all you. It's been you. It always has been you. You want to blame everybody else, but I need to deal with you. And thank you. You're finally listening. Because we love to point it out to everybody else. And God is saying, no, I need to deal with you. And here, Jonathan, God is using him. But he had to get uncomfortable. But you're going to see Saul is a different type of leader. We're going to find this out in the text. Saul is going to get mad at his son Jonathan for leaving the 600. And he's going to get so mad at his son Jonathan, he's going to tell his 600, you all need to execute Jonathan right now. You need to kill him. In the same chapter. You know what I find in Saul? And I find it in me. And you might find it in you is sometimes our mood will take us off the mission. We'll let a mood rob us of the mission that we're supposed to be, to, be about. You know, if, if you live life based on how your mood is feeling, there's a lot of things you're not going to do. You're not going to be in God's word because you, man, you don't feel like it. Hey, you're not going to get on your knees in prayer and say, God, I need to seek you this morning. I need your wisdom. I got this job thing. I don't know how to deal with it. God, I got this situation. My family don't know how to deal with it. If you're, if you're living by a mood, guess what? You're always going to miss your mission because everything messes with your mood. Everything messes with my mood. Little things. It's a wrong text message can mess up a mood. Somebody can look at you in a weird way and they didn't have anything but indigestion and you caught a look and all of a sudden you think they're thinking something bad about you. And you think they're mad dogging you and they ain't mad dogging you. They got indigestion. That's all it is. But you went home and said, I don't like her. She's mad dogging me. She just knows I look good. I don't know why I went to the feminine and I don't know why I did that, you know. Uh, not that I have that problem, you know. But like, yeah, Pastor Miss, I'll be mad dogging me because I look, no, you know, no, that doesn't happen, all right. But here's, here's what happens. We can get so bent out of shape and we allow our mood to twist things. And Saul is going to let a mood take him off the mission that they have. And guess what? You and I will do the same. We will allow a mood to just mess up all kinds of things in our life. And so here is Jonathan. And I love the fact that he was willing to live on a 50-50 faith. 50-50 that says, you know what, God will work. And in case you think that's the only time that it happened, it's not. 
if we were to go to the book of Daniel, there was three Hebrews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And there was a king, his name was Nebuchadnezzar. And he said, if you don't bow down and worship this false idol, this false god I've created, guess what? You are going to burn in this fiery furnace I've created over here that I've heated seven times hotter. And they said, we will not bow down. And guess what? We will not burn. Very next sentence. But if we do. What? They had so much confidence. You know how you do. You know how you do. You, you talk big in front of your boss. You know, you're like, stand up. Oh, I'm quitting. I could find a better job. And then on the way home, you're like, what did I do? I just quit my job. I can't get a better job. I, I'm going to go begging for my job back, you know. You say something to your spouse. I'm so guilty of this. I'm like, I wear the pants around here, you know. And you say something big. And your wife just looks at you, uh-huh. And then later on, you're like, can I have some dinner? No, you can't have dinner. You go take your food and eat out with Kalani the Husky out there. That's where you belong, out in the doghouse. But our dog sleeps inside. Well, guess what? You're sleeping outside then. Man, it's a rough day. You see, it's amazing how we can, we can lose sight of these things and understand that God is saying, hey, we're going to move. Now, while I admire Jonathan, I'm amazed by his armor bearer. I'm amazed by his armor bearer. And I'm learning something. You say, what's that? Here's a young man with no name, without a rank, but also without hesitation. He says, I'm with you, heart and soul. And I find that powerful. Here's what I'd love for you to write down if you're taking notes this morning. You need to bring the outside in. You say, what do you mean bring the outside in? Because this is a powerful truth. Now, I know that we shouldn't let others have power over us. We shouldn't. But the reality is they do. That's just it. The reality is if you're married this morning, that person you married has power over you. They influence you. Hey, if you're in a dating relationship, guess what? That person you're dating has power over you. Hey, if you work for a boss, that person has power over you. People influence you. They have power over you. Now, the question is, does their power lead you in a positive direction or in a negative direction? Because Jonathan chose an armor bearer that said, I am with you, heart and soul. And this is what I call the power of the other. This is what I think is so key that you and I have the right people in our life. Because notice, in verse number one, the Bible says that they didn't tell anybody what they were doing. And I find that interesting. You know why? Because they were selective about who they allowed into their life. And so should you and I be. We should be selective about who gets to veto ideas, who gets to weigh in. I'm a pastor, and guess what? There's a whole lot of people that love to tell me, you should do this, and you should do that, and I was at this church, and this church is that. And I just look at them and say, that's interesting. You're telling me all these things about this church that you like, that you just left, but yet you want to make this church like the one you just left? What? It makes no sense. And then they look at me, and they're like, you're right. I'm like, just go on back. You know, I mean, you left over nothing. Just go on back. God is doing a new thing here. Amen. A new thing. And God wants to do something different. He doesn't want to do what he's done before. God is no respecter of person. He said, I want to begin a new thing. I want to do something that hasn't been done yet, hasn't been seen before. And I want the Silicon Valley to experience a new thing. Cannot God do a new thing that we say, guess what? We are God's R&D department. So guess what? We will make experiments. We will step out. But thank God for some people like an armor bearer with no name, no title, but no hesitation. Say, hey, we're giving away trees. Let's give away trees. We're giving away food. We're giving away food. Hey, we're giving away money. We're giving away money. We're 
building orphanages, we're building orphanages. We're going to Panama, we're going to Panama. We're going to Spain, we're going to Spain. We're going to take the gospel across the street, we're going across the street. Thank God for some people who say, we're going to this building, I guess we're leaving this building. We're going over here, we're changing the service time, we're changing the service time. Instead of people that say, oh, why they do it? We just want to keep you fit and healthy and on your toes. That's all it's about. All right, we are doing our part to help out with the obesity problem in the United States of America, and we are just trying to keep you in shape, okay? Next week, you will find celery sticks and carrots. No, you won't. That's a lie. God forgive me. All right, there will be Krispy Kreme donuts. Thank God. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. Revival has come to Southridge Church. Amen. Help me, Lord. Bring in the outside in. Let's get back to the word. You say, why is this so powerful? Why is it so important? How many got your phone? Would you hold this up for me? I, I wouldn't normally do this. Some of you close out the NFL app real quick so you don't give yourself away, though. All right? Some of you not too smart. All right? And uh, you ever gone on a plane, and then the first thing you do as soon as you land, what do you do? What do you do? You take it off of airplane mode. How many of you are like me? You forget. And you're like, see? Captain, we did not crash. Thank you very much. You, you just like that, all right? I just forget. But as soon as you take it off of airplane mode, if you notice, I have Verizon. You may have T-Mobile, Sprint, Boost. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But you'll notice the little antenna that says full bars, it says looking for a connection. And your phone can take pictures. Your phone can send email. Your phone, I, I preach messages from my phone. Your phone can get all those cool apps to play games. Your phone can edit pictures. Your phone is basically a mini computer with so much power and potential, but it's limited without a connection. And you and I are limited only based on our connections. And some of you have a connection that you need to cut. That connection is holding you back from that life that God has called you to live. And you need to look for an armor bearer. You need to look for that person that says, I am with you heart and soul. And that's everything. That's the totality of his being. And here's what I love. We're going to explore this. Jonathan learned that from his armor bearer. And that's why Jonathan, when he meets David, he can make a covenant with David and says, David, guess what? I am with you, man. I'm your ride or die. I will be loyal to you. I will watch over you. My dad may come after you, but I got your back. Where did he learn that from? From a nameless no rank armor bearer that said, Jonathan, you, God has called you to do something excellent. I'm with you heart and soul. I thank God for the people that just say, hey, I'm just with you. I don't need to know all how it's going to figure out. I just know that God's in it. And perhaps God will do something amazing. Perhaps if we go to Avaya Stadium, God will fill it up. Just perhaps God will do something big. Just perhaps you didn't catch it. You didn't catch it. Perhaps when we go to Avaya Stadium that God might fill it up like he filled up San Jose Municipal Stadium. That God will do some big things. Perhaps God will work for us. And that's what we need to live in that space where we say, nothing is guaranteed, but I'm willing to move on the possibility. But you got to have the right people in your life. you got to have those people around you that will help you, that will be that good connection. I love the words of that armor bearer. Now, contrast that with Jonathan's dad, Saul. Where is Saul? Andrea is a pomegranate tree looking for shade. Hey, move the pomegranate over. I need some more shade. He's just sitting there. But who's with him? Abijah the priest. Now, you know who Abijah is? Abijah is the rejected priestly line from Eli. Eli had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, wicked men. They would take bribes and sleep with the people that would come into the temple. It was, it was horrible what they would do. And God said, I reject that priestly line. 
Isn't it funny? Well, Jonathan was selective about who his friends and influence were, his dad was not. His dad said, I'll take anybody. And we call them yes men or women, just the people that want to tell me what I want to hear. I can't tell you how many times I've been counseling somebody, and they'll come to me not wanting advice, but wanting affirmation. I'm about to move. I'm about to quit. I'm about to date this person. I'm about to do this, and I just want to know if it's a good idea. It's not a good idea. Well, I'm gonna, I already actually did it, though. What about then? Can I get God's blessing on it after the fact? Well, God always has mercy. That's what you need to ask for. God, I done did something stupid, all right? And pray it just like that, okay? I done did something stupid. And God, can you forgive me? And God says, I got mercy for that. He's got mercy. But Saul is guilty of saying, I'm going to find the people like Abijah that will tell me what I want to hear. And yet he wouldn't even listen to him. So don't surround yourself with those people that just say, oh, yeah, you and him, you look good together. Does he love God? No, but you look so cute in your little Instagram. And on TikTok, you guys make those cute little things. That's just so, so cute. You know what? Cute isn't enough. I need somebody to pay the bills. I need somebody to show up and cook. Now, that can be the guy can cook. We're not just saying it's only the women. We're not, we're not gender-specific in roles, okay? We're a little bit more progressive, all right? So, but understand, we've got to come back and say, I need to be selective about who I'm allowing in my life. I'm selective in who I get my support from. You see, the truth is found all throughout Scripture, though. We need that power of the other, so letting others in. This is why we want to encourage you to get into a life group. It's why we want to encourage you to get into a ministry team. It's why we want to encourage you to get good Christian friends in your life, people that will just be there, iron sharpening iron. Can I tell you this? I talk about the gym way too much. I need to stop, but I love it, all right? And uh, I love because I'll go to the gym, and there's these people that are here today, and I'll look up, and they'll be doing more of whatever I'm doing. And you know what it does to me? I could care less about the Niners and the Raiders. I'm sorry. If they win, praise God, okay? But they both can't. Niners are doing better. It's all good. I'm not competitive about sports. I played sports for the food, okay? I was like, we lost, I still get a snow cone. We won, I still get a snow cone, all right? If we forfeit, guess what I still get? A snow cone, all right? So I played sports. But until I started going to the gym, I did not become competitive. I don't know what happened. All right, the owner of my gym, he just brings it out of you. You just become like this freak animal. You're just like, oh, I'm going to whatever. And you're going to break your back and everything. And this is competitive. But guess what happens? Everybody around you is helping you do more than you thought you could do. And they'll say, I think you could put some more weight on that. And you're like, I don't think so. I think you need to shut up. That's what I think. And then they'll just throw some more weight. And you're like, whoa, okay, all right. It's the power of the other. It's the power of somebody saying, I believe in you. We teach our staff one little phrase. We say, when you see somebody in the church, I want you to say these four letters. The letter I, the letter C, the letter N, the letter U. I see in you. And tell them what you see. And call out that potential. And say, I see this in you. I see future pastors and ministry leaders right here. I see future evangelists right here. I see future leaders right here. That's what I see, and you've got to see it. Why? Because my vision fuels my victory. You see, Jonathan said, guess what? There's a garrison up there. We can take them. And he, he was living on this maybe, and his armor bearer said, if he believes it, guess what? I'm just with him. Whether or not God does it, I'm just with him because guess what? Maybe God will. 
Maybe God will move. And so guess what? We're going to move on that maybe. And this is what I call thirdly the divine domino effect. You say, why? Because in verse number 11, notice what happened. See, Jonathan set something in motion. You need to understand that when you move on a maybe, you are setting things in motion. And it's the divine domino effect. You ever seen a domino? You just start, it's kind of fun to set them up. No, not the old school domino. You just play dominoes and line them up. No, no, no. I'm talking about you could knock things over, domino effect. Well, this is the divine domino effect. Notice verse number 11 says, so both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes that they were hiding in. Literally, the Hebrew army had disbanded, dispersed. Some had joined the Philistines, and some were hiding in caves. And guess what? Too many times when we hide from obstacles, remember, you're also hiding from opportunities. Let me say it again. When you hide from obstacles, you are also hiding from opportunities. So when you hide from that thing that God is calling you out to, remember, you're hiding from something else. And that's what these Philistines are saying. Oh, they're finally coming out of their holes. Jonathan was never in a hole. But all the others are going to miss out on this moment because Jonathan's setting something in motion. This morning, you're about to set something in motion that can forever impact your life. So I need you to understand the impact that this moment can have because we're about to set something in motion. Just right now, say amen if you believe it. Just say amen. You're about to set something in motion because that's what life is. You're about to set something in motion. You're always setting things in motion. Everything can become a divine domino. Notice what happened. Verse 12. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan, his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Verse 15, then panic struck the whole army, those in the camp and the field and those in the outpost and raiding parties. And the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. God shows up and there's this earthquake. And it just transformed everything. Why? Because one man said, let's set something in motion. You see, you and I are setting things in motion. Every day of our life. You don't know what you're setting in motion for good or for bad. So I want to set some good things in motion. You know, you're setting things that are good and it's saying, hey, is this the thing that I want to set in motion? See, faith is not static. Faith is dynamic. It's active. Your faith doesn't just rest. You need to say, no, no, I'm going to need to set this thing into motion. I want to be active. You see, too often we, we, we don't set the right things in motion, though. When I, when I prioritize other things on Sunday instead of the house of God, I'm setting something into motion in my kid's life. That church is a can do if you make it. Maybe. Perhaps we should go to church. No, perhaps. I'm going to set something in motion that this is important. And it's going to be passed down generationally. So I'm going to set good things in motion. Hey, I'm going to love my spouse. I'm going to set something in motion. Hey, I'm going to be a good employee. I'm going to set something in motion. Hey, I'm going to be a good parent. I'm going to set something in motion. You are setting something in motion that becomes a movement. You say, how do you know it became a movement? Because then we finally catch up to Saul in verse number 20. And Saul and all his men assembled and went to the battle. They found the Philistines in total confusion, striking each other with their swords. Those Hebrews who have previously been with the Philistines had gone up to their camp and went over to the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. When all the Israelites who had hidden in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were on the run, they joined the battle in hot pursuit. So on that day, the Lord saved Israel, and the battle moved on beyond Beth-Avon. You say, what did Jonathan set in motion? He saved Israel is what he did. So what do you set it into motion? What he set into motion turned into a miracle. 
You see, there's little things. It's the little impact. It's some of the smallest things that you could do. It's just saying, you know, every day I need to spend time with God. Every day I'm going to get the Bible app on my phone and I'm just going to listen to a chapter. I'm going to let the, the Bible read to me as I commute to work. You know, hey, I'm just going to pray when I'm in my commute. Hey, I'm just going to spend any time I can with God. Hey, in the morning I'm going to start my day with God. In the evening I'm going to end my day with God because I want to set something in motion. Hey, I'm going to start praying and asking God for big things this coming year because I want to set some things in motion. There are some things, church, that we need to set in motion. We can't just sit back and say, you know what, I'm going to let this movement pass, this moment pass. God's like, no. I want to start something. But here's the secret. We all know who it really started with. It actually didn't start with Jonathan, did it? It started with somebody who we don't know his name. We don't know his rank. We just know he said, Jonathan, I'm with you, heart and soul. And I believe God is calling us this morning to live heart and soul. We are learning to obey God and leave the outcome to him. And that is the essence of faith. Learning to obey God and leaving the outcome is the essence of faith. But too much, too often, you and I, we want to fix the outcome. We want to fix it. Everything. We want to control it. Where God's like, that's not faith. Faith is leaving the outcome and just saying, God, I trust you. There was an old hymn we used to sing. It was called Trust and Obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And I think it's a simple hymn that we've lost sight of. That that is the life that we're called to. That today I just trust God and I obey Him. Any parents in the room, this is what you want for your children, isn't it? Just for them to trust you and obey you. Just to trust you and obey you. Whether they're grown or whether they're aged, just, just trust me, I have your good. Hey, any couples, that's what you want for each other. You just want to trust and obey. That's what you want. It's not abusive obedience, but you just want them to trust you. Hey, this is what you want for your employees. This is what you want for people around you. Hey, just trust and obey. Just trust and obey, and you will make a, a, a great contribution, but even bigger than that. Here was an armor bearer that said, hey, I can trust and obey. Why is it the simplest things are the hardest for us to do? God didn't say, hey, I need you to go get me a bull and sacrifice it. God didn't say that. God didn't say, hey, give me your firstborn child. God didn't say that. God didn't say, hey, I need you to give a million dollars. God didn't say that. I hope he would, but I don't think he did. What did he say? Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect.